This is part two of the body positivity movement. I think in the part one, um, I discussed why I support the movement, even though I don't agree with the health at any size narrative that, um, that usually accompanies the movement. I think that's not what the movement's really about. Um, previously, as I mentioned, I think the movie is really pushing up against patriarchy and you really don't see a lot of men in that movement and that is another obvious indicator that this really isn't about body positivity or not body positivity but health at any size. This is really about, this is an extension of Me Too um, whereas as women we're just discussing our right to exist and navigate this world outside of the male gaze and we're worth something and I and I support that um, in the previous one I do want to clarify a few things I think um, one of the things I said you know is that when they have a woman in a movie who happens to be overweight or fat they have a narrative that she's um, living in some wacky universe or pretending to be somebody else and that's why the hot guy falls in love with her maybe he just hears her voice and falls for her and I've seen this narrative replayed over and over again and in the in in the previous um podcast I said and of course you know um they still make her blonde well the reason I said that is nothing against blonde people nothing against whatever color your hair is um I think people with all hair colors are beautiful, but there has to be some space to acknowledge that um, independent of, of the beauty of one's face or figure um, in movies, the person who is blonde has usually held some type of role as they're, they're automatically given some type of status of attractiveness on some scale whatsoever. That's why you see all the way from, you know, the picture the picture movies where there's not even any sound. You see women who had dyed their hair platinum blonde, you know, and of course we know the sex symbol icon, uh, Marilyn Monroe, you know, that's not her natural hair color, of course, but um, she is notoriously known as a blonde. And um, that's because independent of you know, facial features or beauty or even figure blonde is associated with sexiness and youth. And that's why you see a lot of people, regardless of size and color, race or ethnicity, will dye their hair, especially in the, if they're in the entertainment industry, blonde or some type of blonde shade and stuff like that. And um, the reason that I brought it up is that even though that this movie is supposed to be about body positivity and that yes we do accept that people and we think that people should have their own starring role they still have to conform to some stereotype you know you can't go way out there and make this leading lady a gasp brunette that'd be too crazy right um but so so basically i was saying that you have a lot of, even though you see people trying to say, we're going to push some boundaries, you still see them really holding tightly to a narrative. And if you think about it, that narrative is closely associated with um, 
patriarchy, you know, something that people don't really understand is that uh, blonde is be associated with a youth and um, most individuals lose that that hair, natural hair color after um, a certain age, after the onset of puberty. And if you do keep that color past puberty, most individuals most likely lose it after um, they give birth to their first child. The only people who usually keep that natural hair color, um, you, you see them, I guess, in North European countries. But even then, the, if their hair does remain blonde, it actually goes gray very early. So that that's a hair color that are many people across the world I mean if you have a, a hair company and you include a blonde hair dye in your uh, hair company's um, products you will not go out of business because so many women are trying to attain um, that status of beauty that is easily bought honestly in a box and if they can't attain it by dyeing their hair that color, they can attain it by wig. I think one of the obvious, one of the most obvious uh, uh, examples of of the independent uh, power of having blonde hair is is you don't have to go further than the uh, Miss the Muppets. You know, when you see Miss Piggy, you know, despite the fact that she is. Um, Hypothet, you know, she is a pig. That's her character. When you throw that blonde hair on her, she is perceived, whether she's, you know, objectively sexy or not, subjectively, it is understood that she is a an attractive woman and she needs to be treated a certain way. So that's all I was saying regarding the hair color because I know a lot of times people will be like, oh, why are you talking about me? I was blonde. I'm blonde. My daddy's from Sweden. No one cares. That's not a big deal. What we do care about is that you know when it comes to representation on the big screen, there are a lot of people, a lot of actresses, regardless of their talent, do have to dye their hair and a lot of them have to choose the color blonde if they want to be cast in a role where their appear where where their their role is to be attractive or be considered attractive by the male um audience. Um that's not to say you don't have a lot of people who are brunette who who do play those roles, but um it is easier if, if you're a woman who, let's just say people, you don't really get that much attention as a, a, a brunette and you want to play that sexy role and you dye your hair blonde, independent of your, your face and features, if you're a semi-attractive woman, that will elevate you. And you definitely see um, the, the individual marketing power um, of, of the person who's blonde when it comes to women who are seeking to be the wives of um, entertainers or athletes. So the, all that's to say is that despite, you know, the underlying claim in movies that want to embrace body diversity, they strictly are still holding on 
to certain rules that govern whether a female could be considered sexually attractive or not. And when and if they're holding on to those rules and you also see the narrative in which that for this female to be attractive, even if she's above a size eight, she has to live in a wacky world where she's hit on the head or everybody's gone crazy to be accepted. You really have to wonder what kind of message is being conveyed. And, and they're saying, we'll accept you and you can be accepted, but in an alternate universe. And that's not something that I believe that anybody should accept, especially if you're a woman. And I think that's one of the things that the body positive movement is fighting against, that narrative that uh, we have to conform to certain rules. Um, and, and the body positive movement is specifically regarding uh, body size. Um, the narrative that to to achieve all the things we want to achieve, namely um, happiness, um, we have to be within a certain size and to be uh, visible and worthy to be looked at, we have to conform to uh, specific rules. Uh, another thing that I want to 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 point out and how you know that a lot of people who, you know, they say I'm not fat shaming this person like for example this person who is obese you know no question about it was on a cover of a very um high uh fashion magazine and she was you know on the cover for all intents and purposes accepting and loving her body which triggered a lot of people and of course um from what i know this person you know she understands that a lot of people are going to be triggered, so she likes to tag them and let them know, hey, I'm living my best life, and of course they're triggered. Well, this person's on the cover of a high-end fashion magazine, and um, people are upset because they're glor- they feel like, oh, you're glorifying obesity. And I think that's when I come in and say, sit down. Because I feel like these same people who say, oh, it's about health, people should be um, thinking about getting healthy. This person is glorifying obesity. This person is glorifying unhealthy habits. All I'm saying is bring that same energy when you see a model on the cover of the magazine and you know for a fact this person is unhealthy and you know for a fact that this person is rumored to do crack or cocaine. There are people who are on the cover of magazines and it's people that, you know, it's well known and I don't even follow these people. It's well known that this person more than likely does cocaine or these people more more than likely do cocaine. And then a lot of these people even admit, even admit that they're on drugs and they go into drug facilities to, to get their life better. But yet they're on the cover of magazines. And do those fat shamers, those same fat shamers who talk about health and being healthy and it's all about health and you shouldn't put people on the cover if they're not healthy. Do those same fat shamers come out and say, you cannot put this woman on the cover. This woman has admitted to doing drugs, dealing with a drug habit. She's been in and out of rehab. I don't think she should be on the cover because she is unhealthy. Absolutely not. And you know why? Because 
that woman is skinny or that woman is a nice size that that male wants to have an intimate relationship with. Or when he looks at her, he feels that she is conforming to society standards of beauty and she evokes feelings in him in which he, he, he would like to have a relationship with her or he can see that other people would like to have a relationship with her. She's an attractive woman. She can attract people. She's sexy. And so, so the body positive movement, it doesn't really, I don't know, they, they have these conversations, but that's where the hypocrisy comes in when these people claim, these fat shamers claim to be all about health. Um, they're not about health because they don't give that same energy to people who um, they're attracted to. They're OK with the woman being underweight and starving themselves on drugs, in and out of rehab, depressed, suicidal and admitting all these things, you know, doing habits that 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 they wouldn't recommend any healthy person do, they're okay with them being on the cover because they are sexy. They make them think of of sex. They're, They're just unhappy when they see someone on the cover that doesn't make them feel all gooey inside. And it just triggers their little feelings, especially if that person isn't talking about how sad they are and how they, you know, their whole life is about struggling with their weight and the other part of their life is admiring people who are thin. You know, those people are triggered. They give lots of energy. If they really cared about health, then they would uh, they would definitely be ranting and raving about everybody they see on the magazine. Because a lot of people on the magazines, sorry, a lot of people on magazine covers admit that they have unhealthy habits and unhealthy relationships with food. There's, there's one, at least a couple of people I know who admitted to having anorexia, bulimia. They still deal with their struggles, over-exercising, um, just, you know, using uh, drugs to, for their emotions, not being able to deal with things. But it's just, it's just ridiculous. You know, it's just... I'm not going to even continue because we know, we all know what's going on because of the silence towards people who are also unhealthy. We know people it, health isn't the issue. So all I'm saying is that that is something that needs to be discussed. Or when people talk about it's all about health, that is something that needs to be confronted. And furthermore, even when that person does have anorexia or that person's thin, I feel like the discussion is so much gentler. This person needs help. It's almost like when you saw the dis, you know, the stark uh, difference in how the opioid op- opioid crisis was uh, treated and handled compared to the uh, crack epidemic, you know. Um, how these people need help and how we need clinics to help these people so they can be safe and, you know, how we're going to pour money into helping these people. Whereas in the crack epidemic, there was money poured into, you know, war, 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 like tanks going down people's streets and just, uh, more guns to just shoot up people's home. The criminals, 
um, criminal system was just getting over, just bloated with people just being thrown in, in jail and, you know, lock it, you know, throw away the key. So, of course, you know, there's also the disparity and people see that and people, you know, people see that and um, there are people who are going to refuse to see it because it serves no purpose to their agenda. If if you're someone who pushes patriarchy, you're going to pretend not to see it and lie and say, no, that's not true or change the subject or divert it. But, you know. It's like whatever. So all I'm saying at the end of the day is the body positive movement is about is pushing up against patriarchy and people who support patriarchy know it. And that's what they're really fighting against. And that's what's triggering them. And, you know, people who are normal weight and who are thin need to jump on this body positive movement because they don't understand the real battle. And you don't understand that that same guy who's fat shaming is that same guy who's harassing the sexy woman in the office and getting away with it. So, you know, as people who are normal weight, don't wait until it's you. Support your sisters and body diversity. Just do it and realize that these are the same people you're going to need to support you when, you know, you're accused of, of something that's not true or someone saying that you're lying about something that happened to you and, it, you're, and you're not lying. So um, that's it. Have a good one.